Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You do that, you go to the box, you know, uh, two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Hello, Boston Bruins fans. I'm Kurt Schmid, and you're listening to Believe in Boston Bruins on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe in Boston Bruins. Do you believe? On this week's episode, the Bruins finish up a three-game road trip to the Empire State, and could a college prospect sign with the team? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, and you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Well, we talked about game number one of this series on Thursday. Well, let's move on to game two versus the Rangers on Friday night. Nick Ritchie scored uh, as the puck slipped past Igor Shesterkin's glove, and that would be the only goal the Bees would need in a one to nothing win. Now, I got to tell you something. Watching this kid Shesterkin, he's a pretty decent goaltender, and he's going to be putting racking up some wins as his career goes along, he's probably even going to rack up a Vesna or two. And I can tell you right now that if it was the other goaltender, Gorgiev, in goal, I have a feeling this wouldn't be a, a one to nothing win for the Bruins. This would probably be a three or four to nothing win for the Bruins. So the brain, the Rangers are lucky they have this kid. I mean, I've seen, I've watched him play when he when he played for the Hartford Wolfpack, and I'm going to tell you this kid is is going to be the real deal. You know, in a couple of years, not that he is right now, but I have a feeling that this kid is going to be, you know, he's going to be worth all the hype. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, but you know, right now the Rangers are pretty decent and have a pretty decent, uh, goaltending tandem with this kid. And I have a feeling that, you know, they're going to go places in the next two or three years. The only thing is they're going to have to need to adjust or need is to get find the right uh, head coach in order to get these guys, you know, past you know the playoffs and 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 into the future. So I have a feeling that the Rangers are going to give the uh, the Bruins some really good competition in the coming years. Now the real highlights of this game were the was the chippy play that led to two fights in the second period. Now Brendan Lemieux and Trent Frederick dropped the gloves in the first fight. And I thought that they fight a little bit like pros here, but Lemieux dropped them early, way too early if you ask me. Lemieux threw about five or six punches before Frederick even knew the fight was going to go on. Now, come on. You know, that's a cowardly BS move by Lemieux. And I know Lemieux is a dirty, dirty, I don't want to say, oh, he's a dirty, well, yeah, he's a dirty, you know, he's one of those, he's one of those a-hole hockey players that can't even get, you know, who who will be under your skin and, you know, be be a real pain in the ass on the ice 
Same as same as Brad Marchand. And here's the thing, guys. Don't compare Brendan Lemieux to Brad Marchand because Lemieux can't even Lemieux can't even score goals here. At least Marchand will give you 25, 30, 35, 40 goals in a season. You know, not Lemieux, who's probably, you know, probably ends up probably getting about 10 goals a year. All right. So don't give me this crap. Don't compare the don't compare Marshawn and Lemieux. All right. Totally, totally two different types of players. And I don't think Frederick is done with that piece of garbage. I'm waiting for the rematch when these two teams meet again for the next six times. And you know, you know darn well Frederick took his number and will looking for a rematch. I guarantee it. Then we have Jeremy Lazan dropping him with Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, both got five minutes for fighting, but Lazan also picked up a 10-minute misconduct. Now, I'm still trying to figure out where the 10-minute misconduct came from. I mean, here I am. I'm watching the Nesson broadcast, and even Jack and Brick were, were a little stunned, and they couldn't figure it out either. But Lazan did get in some good punches, and the two just ended up taking their five-minute penalties. You know, and then towards the end of the game, you know, with about a minute left in the last minute of the game, the Bruins were shorthanded. You know, um, Shesterkin was pulled, and they were facing a um, a six on four because they had, ta- they had the Bruins had also taken a penalty, and it was great work by the guys, especially Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller, keeping the keeping the puck along the boards, and I think they burned at least thirty seconds off the clock, which was which was like half the minute. It was really good. They're, they they were able to ice it, or not even ice it, just shoot it down the puck since they were, shoot the puck down the ice because they were able to do it because they were shorthand, you know, because they were playing technically shorthanded due to being on the penalty kill. So that wasted some time. So all in all, it was a pretty good, pretty good game. I think the, the Rangers really showed that they could be, you know, they could be uh, a little bit of a pain in the ass uh, come the next couple of years. The only thing that they're missing right now is a quality head coach. Because right now, if you, any team out there, if you, and this goes for any team out there, if you're thinking about hiring a college coach, don't do it. Hire, if you're going to hire some, bring somebody in, hire from within. Hire somebody from your AHL team. Don't go out of the organization and hire a college coach because he's not going to be that good. Because we've seen it. We've seen it happen with other college coaches, and one of the one of the big name college coaches out there who was really successful was Herb Brooks. He coached the New York Rangers, and I believe he also coached the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he came up with nothing. He's he you know if you're a successful a successful a successful college coach doesn't mean that you're going to be a successful NHL coach. Now on Saturday, Brad Marchand scored his eighth goal of the season and Patrice Bergeron netted his seventh goal of the season as the Bruins uh, fell to the Islanders 4-2. I think think, um, between the physical game with the Rangers on Friday and having to come back and play the next night really took a toll on the Bruins and they finally ran out of gas by the third period. They had way too many turnovers, especially on defense. But you can expect that you can expect them to keep that pace. Uh, can't expect them to keep the pace all season long. And once again, there was really no offensive help from lines two, three, and four. I mean, where are these guys? You know, you can't. You know, we're back to last season of you know the top line getting the majority of the goals, and you can't have that. 
It's got to be, you know, he, you know, Cassidy is out there rolling four lines. You expect the other three lines to do, you know, to score some goals here. But they were tired overall, and I expected this to happen. You know, the only thing that they can do right now is just rest up and get ready for the Devils on Thursday night because Monday night's game with the Devils was postponed due to um, COVID protocol with the Devils. And it's surprising that the only two losses in regulation for the Boston Bruins have come at the hands of the New York Islanders. Now, the the power play the last couple of games was horrible. I mean, Cassidy really needs to rethink that five-forward power play. It's not effective, and maybe they should put he should think about putting McAvoy on the power play. You know, put Richie, Pasternak, Bergeron up front with McAvoy, maybe Marshawn at the points for the first power play. You know, you can drug, you know, you don't necessarily have to put the marsh on anywhere, you know, maybe even not even have him on the power play. And then power play number two could be DeBrusque, Smith, Coyle up front with Krejci and, and maybe another defenseman, you know, um, at the point. Maybe Grizzlick slips in that spot once he's healthy. So, you know, you got to play around with lines here. But the thing is, you know, you, you can't go with the five-man power play. Put McAvoy in there. He's done a superb job. Give McAvoy a chance at at doing, you know, at being on the power play, you know, and try to figure out where Marshawn's going to go. Is Marshawn going to play in the second power play? Because, you know, is he going to play on the second power play unit? Because here's the thing. Richie's been putting in power play goals, all right? So you need him out there. So you need Pasternak out there to snipe home some one-timers. You know, and then you put Bergeron up front with McAvoy, you know, up front with McAvoy and, you know, somebody on the point. And maybe Marshawn will fit in on the point. So, you know, maybe it's time time to give that a look and, and change things up. But like I said, Grizzlick slips into the number, into a spot once he's healthy. Because with the power play, especially on the, on the back end at the blue line, you are actually missing... You know, you're missing that shot from Krug and and Chara. That's the only place where you're actually missing those defensemen because, you know, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? Because you're missing those two guys, but the, you know, you have to think about this, all right? You know, you have these two guys that are missing from your lineup, but yet your defense is really, really good. So what do you do? You know, so I'm not the head coach of this team, but he's really got to really rethink this five forward power play. You know, maybe if Chara was back and if if Krug was back, he wouldn't be doing this stuff. But they're not here and, you know, he's got to go with what he thinks is going to work. And right now, this isn't working. They need to put a defenseman back on the blue line especially McAvoy, where he can actually, you know, blast that puck. And like I said, maybe Grizzlick slips into that spot once he's healthy. You could probably put Lazan in in a spot, you know, Zaborl in there. You have Miller. So you have a whole bunch of guys in there that could probably slide into a spot, you know. None of this five-man power play, five-forward power play stuff anymore because it's not, it's, it's not working. 
So looking at the stat, pl- player individual stats f- for this uh, for this for this podcast, <laughs> uh, Brad Marchand leads the team with, or he's tied with P- Patrice Bergeron in points. He's got nine goals, nine assists for eighteen points. Patrice Bergeron, seven goals, eleven assists for eighteen points. Charlie McAvoy's in there. One goal, 10 assists for 11 points. He should be on that back end of the power play. Nick Ritchie in there with five goals, five assists for 10 points. And he has four goals on the on the power play. Now you have David Pasternak, who's been a little bit, who was a little bit quiet during the last three games. Five goals, five assists for 10 points. You have David Krejci in there, who doesn't have a goal yet at 10 points. Of course, Craig Smith is coming in with five points. Charlie Coyle. With two goals, two assists for four points. Followed by Chris Wagner, Sean Corrali, each with three points. Brandon Carlo in there with three points. Anders Bjork is coming in with uh, one goal, two assists for three points. And I got to tell you, this kid has been hot and cold lately. I mean, he's had a couple of good games. He's had a couple of bad games. The game against the Islanders, he was kind of benched for a little while. And then he came back to play on Krejci's line for for the rest of the game. So, you know, this kid is a little hot and cold. Uh, We have Jeremy Lazan in there with three points. Matt Grizzlick in there with three assists, three points. Kevin Miller in there with two points. Zaboral in there with two points. Jake DeBrusque, who would have had a goal on uh, Wednesday night. Instead, he has two, uh, two assists for two points. He did assist on the Bjork goal on Wednesday. Trent Frederick in there with one goal and one assist or one one assist for one point. And then Clifton, Kasha, and Moore all rounding out the bottom three with no points. So it, it becomes, you know, you're looking at this and you're saying to yourself, well, Nick Ritchie really belongs on that on that first power play line with four goals. Now Patrice Bergeron also has four goals, uh, four power play goals. So there's a unit right there. You know, you could possibly maybe throw in Mar, you know, throw in Pastrack or Marshawn at some point, and that's about it. That's where your power play goals are coming from. Marshawn Bergeron, McAvoy doesn't have he he doesn't have anything. Um, so the only other person out there is David Pastrnak, you know, who can probably fill in, you know, who 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 can put on either the first power play or the second power play. Of course, Brad Marchand also has a shorthanded goal. Patrice Bergeron also, and Patrice Bergeron has a shorthanded goal. So that's a look at some some interesting stats here. Uh, looking at power, looking at penalty minutes. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, or no, Jeremy Lazan leads the team with twenty one penalty minutes. And let's see where Trent Frederick has about ten penalty minutes. I look for Trent Trent Frederick to start picking up the penalty minutes a little bit more. Now, as far as the goaltending situation goes, Yaroslav Halak is 4-0 with uh, goals against average of 1.38 and a save percentage of point, uh, .938 with one shutout. Tuka Rask is in there with 6-2-0. His goals against average is 2.51 and his save percentage is 9.06. Now, if you think about it, he's basically Tuka Rask is the only one who's lost in regulation. So those two get so those two Islander games, he was in goal for them. 
and I I'm getting getting tired of who's better, you know, Halak or Rask. Rask is a choke artist. Halak is gonna win us the cup and everything else. It's like guys, just settle down. The season's only just begun. I mean, I know Halak is is undefeated, but you know what? I have a feeling that he is actually going to, you know, he's going to end up losing some games sometime down the road. All right? It's not like he's going to win every single night he's out. It's not going to happen. There's probably going to be a night where he's actually going to be, you know, he's going to get shelled one night. So I really don't want to hear it that Tuka, that the Bruins should trade Tuka Rask. Or, you know, we'll you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the season when both of these guys free, become free agents. And one of them is going to sign, one of them is going to go, or what? Or both of them are going to get re-signed. So who knows what's going to happen um, once once the end of the season goes. But once I, but like I said, let's get done with this season first before we start talking about you know free agency and goalies and stuff like that. Hey, you fellas, come from Providence. Jacob Luck, Lauko recorded a three. Recorded three points, and Cameron Hughes collected two points of his own as the Providence Bruins defeated the Bridgeport Sound Tigers five to three on Saturday afternoon. Now, there's been a lot of debate since since Saturday that should he get called up to Boston or wait until next season. Well, this kid has this kid has got speed. He's got a lot of speed. He's very quick on the puck. He's 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 really good. But I think we're all just jumping the gun here. If we're thinking this kid goes out and has a three-point game, that this kid should get called up to Providence. Now, he did play a couple of games um, earlier on in the season with uh, with a team over in Europe. And then he comes over, and he's and he's basically been on... He's he's basically had a couple of good games. Now, the, their season is a little, a little bit on the early side, too. And the, thing, the other thing about this is they're going to be playing the Providence Bruins are going to be playing Bridgeport a bunch of times and the and the Hartford Wolfpack a bunch of times so basically you know you really can't judge him on other teams and stuff like that but still i think it's a little too early to be talking about this kid and calling him up right away maybe a little bit towards the end of the year maybe i don't know maybe let's see we're in february now maybe the end of march maybe april call the kid up and see what he can do so I say just like leave him down there, wait until next next October, and then see what this kid's got. Now the Bruins might start the process might start the process of signing Johnny Beecher at the end of the, at the end of the season. Now Beecher is in the second year at the University of Michigan and is playing in a top six role. Now the bees want the 19 year old signed to and take the next step. And I, I kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this, but I don't know. I mean, with Krejci signing short term or not at all after the season, the Bruins are going to be thin at, a little thin at center ice with prospects, and they need to get Beecher's development started in Providence ASAP. Now, I don't want to rush. See, that's the one thing I don't want to do is rush this kid, okay? You know, you think about college and and college players and playing in the AHL, you know, you have to do what's best for the team. But you also, if you're the college player, you have to think about what's best for you. I mean, going to, you know, watching, you know, college hockey a lot, 
you know, especially going to UConn, uh, University of Connecticut games, a lot of those guys, I find a lot of those guys have left, you know, maybe after their sophomore or junior, maybe after their fresh, I mean, some have left after their freshman year. Others have left after their sophomore year. Not a lot of hockey players out there anymore are playing a full four, full four years. I mean, you look at, you know, look at Charlie and even Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle was at BU and then while he was still playing, while he was still property of the San Jose Sharks, San Jose said, hey, we don't want you playing college anymore. We want you to go play um, major junior in Canada. So that's what he did. And, you know, I feel bad for, I don't feel bad necessarily for the the um, colleges. I, f- I feel bad for, or no, I don't feel bad for the college, for the players. I feel bad for the college. You know, you have a player, you sign them to a to a um, a contract, or not a contract, but you sign them to a scholarship, and this kid, after two years, bails on you to go play pro. I don't, I don't, I'm not in favor of it. It's just that you know, you know, here you are, you're committed to something, you know, you commit to say, you know, you know, I'm going to commit to um, Boston College, and. Then after two years, you say to Jerry York, "Hey, you know, sophomore year, hey, I got an offer from I got an offer from the New York Rangers. I'll see you later. You know, thanks for the two years of an education." And to me, if you're gonna do that kind of stuff, you might as well just go play junior. There's got to be something out there, a little bit more of an incentive for these kids, especially without no matter what sport it is. You know, it could be college football college basketball, whatever, these kids signed, these kids go out and signed, um, Scott get scholarships and only play two or three years before they make the jump to the pros. I'm, I particularly, I, I hate it throughout college sports. So we'll see what, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Beecher does as far as, uh, his, not only his college career, but his professional career. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, why, why are you taking a chance? You know, you, you've already got this like free ride with a scholarship. Why not? Oh, hit the microphone. Why not just fulfill your college and go for four years? You know, it, you're still going to develop. All right. You're still going to develop and then you're still going to go to Providence and play. So, you know, that's my thing about college. You know, it's not just college hockey, but it's all college. I'd like to see guys, you know, go through all four years of college because that's what that's why the college want that's why a college wants you. They just they just don't want you to sit there, you know, play like two years and then leave on you. All right. When you're committed to something, you should be committed to the very end. Now, the NHL and the Boston Bruins have announced that they are postponing the jersey retirement of Willie O'Ree's number 22 until January 18th, 2022. Now, that's going to mark 64 years to the day that Willie O'Ree became the first black player in NHL history. I agree with this. I agree with this move because he deserves a full arena when he gets his jersey number retired. I mean, a full packed house of Boston Bruins fans there to, you know, witness a great person, you know, great ambassador to the sport of hockey, especially in the, in the inner cities. 
that's that's what this guy really deserves. He deserves a standing ovation when he comes out onto Garden Ice. Not that he's made, you know, he hasn't gotten any, you know, standing ovations before in the past when he's come out on the TD Garden Ice, but this is a really special moment and it should be done in front of the fans. And Montreal, I think, should be the opponent that night since the Bees played the Habs on the night he made his debut. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense to have the Habs be the the opponent that night. And that would be a total number of 12 uh, retired numbers by the Boston Bruins. The last one was Rick, Rick Middleton in 2018. So to me, that's a really, really good start, you know, for... For him and the organization. Not a good start. I didn't. But you know what I mean. Now congratulations go out to San Diego Gulls head coach Kevin Deneen on earning his 300th career AHL win. He's the 22nd head coach in AHL history to reach 300 victories. Now the only reason why I'm saying this is like it's not Bruins related. Um, he was my favorite player growing up. And it was great to see him reach this milestone. And, you know, let's let's hope he gets an NHL job soon. Maybe he'll join Ron Francis in Seattle. I mean, that could happen. And if that happens, uh, I have a feeling the Kraken might become my second favorite team in the NHL. And no matter where he ends up, I'll still cheer for the guy uh, for him to get his second Stanley Cup. He won the Cup as an assistant coach in 2015 with the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, even, even, I don't care where this guy ends up. If he gets a head coaching job with an, you know, if he's the one that takes, takes over the head coaching job from in for the New York Rangers, I'll go, I'll go and I'll cheer on Kevin Deneen. Everybody, everybody who listens to this podcast knows I have a little, little bit of a little bit of an issue with the New York Rangers, not necessarily the team itself. It's mainly their fan base, but still. If he ever became the head coach in the New York Rangers, I would I would actually your my butt would show up in a in a seat at Madison Square Garden wearing my Kevin Deneen Whalers jersey. That I'll I'll just I'll say that and I'll I'll, I'll hold my word to that one. If he ends up coaching the New York Rangers, which I I doubt he will, but still, if he's you know the head coach in the New York Rangers, I will actually. Go to Madison Square Garden wearing my Whalers Deneen jersey, and I will cheer on the Rangers. You heard it here. Yes, you heard it here. Um, he also coached the Canadians women's team to their fourth consecutive gold medal in the 2014 Winter Olympics. And he was also the head coach of the Florida Panthers. So he does have some NHL head coaching experience. It's just that he had a really you know, Florida was didn't have good teams back then when he was the coach, so he couldn't pull off miracles. Maybe if an NHL team had enough decent talent, maybe he can possibly take that team to the Stanley Cup Finals. If you have a question for me, you can tweet me at HockeyNASCAR413 or go to my Believe in Boston Bruins Facebook page. This show is available on all your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. And you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Interested in advertising on this show? Please contact Believe at Believe.com. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great week and go Bruins. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.